Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Alexa, who is Adam Ferrara? Adam Ferrara is an American actor and comedian known for playing the roles of Chief Needles Nelson on Rescue Me, Sergeant Frank Virelli opposite Edie Falco on Nurse Jackie. He was a co-host on the U.S. version of Top Gear. He has had three Comedy Central specials and his new album is called It's Scary in Here. Adam's new podcast is a big hit and available everywhere. Sounds like it could be funny. Sounds to me like 30 minutes you'll never get back. Hi guys, thank you for checking us out for the first time or coming back again. Either way, we are glad you are here. We have another great show for you this week. My guest in the ADD interview, you know him from the TV show Psych. He's also on This Is Us. He's a very impressive man, and his name is Tim Amundsen. And we want to welcome everyone from our Talk To Me Tuesday family. That's a conversation we have every week, 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Go to my website, click the link, and join us. And our super fan shout-out is for Brandon. Say hi to Brandon, everybody. Hey, Brandon. Brandon. What's happening, Brandon? And Brandon, of course. He's a friend of ours. And I want to read a tweet from someone I would like to consider another friend of ours. This tweet is from Albert Brooks. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. And he said, I'm a very suspicious person. Last year, I wished everybody a happy new year, and look what happened. So this year, <laughs> from the bottom of my heart, fuck you. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Okay. It kind of captures it all. Yes, it does. And this, that was great. I read that from Albert Brooks, and I, I would like to consider Albert a friend of ours. I see him. I see him at the car wash now and again. Oh, that's cool. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's cool. I think he knows I know who he is, but I never bring it up. That's uh, that's kind of cool that you don't. Yeah. You we, know, yes. unless he says something. We just talked about the cars going through there, make a joke, and that was it. Okay, have a good day. That's it. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm surprised that he let you approach him. He don't scare me. I can <laughs> <laughs> but that is such a varsity move to not be like, and by the way, I loved you in defending your life, which would be my first move. Be like, oh my God, dude, yeah. you're great. And that's yeah, yeah. why, like, you know, actors, actresses all run away from me because I'm an idiot like that. But that's mm -hmm. such a pro move right there, Adam. My opinion on that is you don't want to take away, like, the person's favorite car wash or grocery store because if they had a fan come up to them and get all crazy, they're like, nah, right. I can never go there again. Mm. So you don't yeah. want to. 
you know, take away their spots. That, yeah. Like the car wash is a spot. Mm. You know, once you find one, you kind of want to always go back to that. I know you do, Adam. Well, I do because I have a get the 10th one free card. That's why I keep going back. <laughs> well, there. there you go. There's your motivation. <laughs> I keep going back and get the 10th one free. And of all the garages, not one of my freaking cars are in the garage because I got a wife. So I'm there. <laughs> I need you the see, space. I'm the total opposite. I would I would just track him down like I did uh, like I did Martin Mole. I just track him down. How <laughs> come he's... Why? That's how come not he's good. not here anymore? Which I would go to every car wash. There he is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think his worst nightmare. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's who's, exactly right. His worst nightmare. Who who is the girl that you were chasing down at the airport? Was okay. it Laura Dern? Laura Dern. Yeah, I wasn't chasing her down. I sat next to her in first class on the way to Vancouver, and I did what Adam did. I didn't let her know who that I knew who she was. I did the same thing till the end. Yeah, till the till the end. Till the end. <laughs> till the arresting officer asked him to make a statement. <laughs> And that wouldn't be too worrisome, but this is a continual thing with Bill. That's not the first celebrity he's done this with. I meet them all the time. But but the point is, if I was going to go up to Albert Brooks, I would thank him for this tweet. I really would, because it it made me laugh. It was a good way to start the new year. And like me, I think he was defending himself against karma. Look, if I did anything, (laughs) I don't want to get blamed for this shit. (laughs) Because yeah. I had that idea of karma, too. I used to think karma was... Uh, on one of my specials, I had a, uh, I had a joke about karma. Mm-hmm. Do you ever think to yourself, what the hell did I do in a past life to get the ride I'm on now? Huh? <laughs> did I give Lincoln the theater tickets? What the hell did I do? <laughs> that was before you met me, Adam. Absolutely right. And now that I'm married, I, know I don't wonder what I did in a past life. It's like instant karma. I see the way my behavior <laughs> comes right back at me. <laughs> I have no comment. That, no, you don't have to have a comment. <laughs> I'm learning every day. The reward is supposed to be the act of doing it, right? Without any thought of something coming down the line, right? Well, yeah, you're not supposed to. I, your intention is what comes back to you. Right? So if, if you were just trying to do something nice for somebody, whatever that might be, you know, like holding a parking spot for someone, give him a guy a couple of bucks when he's down, get him a cup of coffee. Not as, right, I'm going to give this guy 20, but I'm going to make 200 at the craft day. <laughs> yes, honey. Well, I think what Mark and you guys are saying, it's, it has to be without strings, unconditional. Yeah, pure intention. Yeah. You pure yeah. apart. Yeah. yeah. See, I always look at karma almost the other, like from the other side of it, like when somebody does something bad, I'm like, yeah, it's going to come back on you. You're a prick. Yeah. You know, you're a jerk. Yeah. You know? Oh, believe me. I, I believe in karma, but it's, it's got to hurry up. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. See, yeah. That wheel. <laughs> I, um, I believe Spin that friggin' wheel and hope it kicks this guy in the ass after what he it's... did. Yeah, exactly. It's, like, it's can... like, look, I know God's busy, but I need to see it just to make sure it happens. <laughs> I need to see it. <laughs> it's important to me. That's so funny. But you have to think that what Mark, I think, is talking about is if the, the person has to sit in themselves. You know, if they're a miserable person, mm-hmm. that's their karma right there. They're sitting yeah, but they, in they there. They don't know they're miserable. I, yeah. I need yeah. to see them suffer. Well, you like, need to see a, a peak yeah. of them Would suffering. Would it be so bad, Alex, if also a bird pooped on the guy's head? I, I would encourage a bird to poop on whoever was being mean to you, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and a big friggin' bird. I want a pterodactyl taking a dump on someone. <laughs> I want prehistoric shit falling from the sky, you mess with my pal. <laughs> when something bad happens to you, you think, what do I do to deserve this? I mm-hmm. think that's a natural thing to think. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think that the initial uh, reaction is like, what did I do? Mm -hmm. But then things, once you kind of separate yourself from it. Right. Then maybe it's the best thing for you. Yeah, that's the thing. I I made a note to myself after talking with Tim because I was so moved by our conversation that most people ask, why me? Mm -hmm. And what I learned from this conversation is just ask, why? Mm, that's good. And that opens up yeah. a huge door. Mm. Yeah. So that's give good. a listen to this, and we'll see you on the other side. Karma, an energy or force that causes one's fate to be determined by one's deeds. Did I give Lincoln the theater tickets? What the hell did I do? <laughs> You're listening to the Adam Ferrara Podcast. This is 30 minutes you'll never get back. These are longer than 30 minutes. Don't bullshit me. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that. And find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly. Which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Pay attention when I'm talking to you, boy. ADHD, it's not just for kids. Nice boy, but doesn't listen to a word you say. Welcome to the ADD interview. It's not that you're not interesting, it's just that I can't focus. And my guest this week is... Oh, look, a bird! I'm so excited for my guest this week. He's a guy I had to track down, and I'm glad we uh, finally got some time to connect. You know him from the TV show Psyched, Supernatural, Gallivants, or This Is Us. Uh, he's an hell of an actor and, and one tough son of a bitch. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Tim Amundsen. How are you, pal? Great, now I'm talking to you, buddy. How you doing? I am good. I'm good. Hey, Thank you so much. Yes, I'm quarantining. Uh, I'm doing all right. I think, I think I'm driving my wife and my dog crazy. They might be planning a coup, Tim. I have to be honest with you. I think I'm right there with you. Yeah. Sight was shot in Vancouver, wasn't it? Beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. Yes. Wow. And you did that. And you, and you played Carlton Lasseter on the, on the show. Handsome Carlton Lassie, you mean. <laughs> yes, handsome Carlton Lassie. And, uh, and it, it was a lot of fun. That show ran what, eight years? Eight seasons, 120 episodes. God bless you. That was cool. And I, we were talking before we turned the mics off. I read the pilot. Uh, it was a great script. I actually read for Dulé's role, Dulé Hill's role. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, Tim. I didn't get it. <laughs> you would have been great. Ah, thank you so much. But uh, yeah, but it, uh, that show was a lot of fun. And then you, and you went on to do so many other things. And well, let, let's take them from the beginning. You were an actor and you were born in St. Joe, Missouri. Your mother was a teacher. Your father worked for the Rock Island Railroad. Yeah, he did. It's like you walked out of a Norman Rockwell painting. <laughs> had a black and white dog named Spot. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> he had a slingshot in your back pocket. My brother and I used to go down to the old fishing hole. <laughs> 
so you were born there, but you didn't spend much time there. You went to Seattle when you were like one years old. Yeah. So we moved when I was one, we moved to Seattle because my dad was working out of there. Mm-hmm. And then uh, this amazed me is you went to children's theater. You were 12 years old. You knew you wanted to be an actor at 12 years old. I did. I got the bug really early. Yeah. You know, it was seventh grade drama class. Walked in that and just it all exploded. I was not a great student. I was, was, I was a horrible athlete. Mm-hmm. And acting was sort of the only thing I was really good at. Well, that, that amazed me that you had that awareness at 12 years old, man. I, I'm a, I've been a comic for 30 years. I'll be honest with you, Tim. This could be a phase. <laughs> so at 12 years old, you joined a children's theater. And I think the play you said you saw was Death of a Salesman. I saw Death of a Salesman when I was in, I think it was in fifth or sixth grade. We went to the Seattle Rep. Uh-huh. We put us all on the bus. We went and saw that. And, and the, uh, it was the William Biff scene at the end that was just, you know, it's the big moment of the play. Mm-hmm. And at the end of it, this audience full of 10-year-olds all burst into applause. And I was like, oh, my God, this is what I want to do. Wow. Like, if these guys on stage can hold the attention of these bratty little snot-nosed kids and then move them that much, mm. this is what I want to do. And that was it. Yeah, that you got that thunderbolt at 12 years old is amazing. I got that when I saw Richard Pryor, and I was about 12 years old. I saw a videotape of Pryor, and I just went, look what this man can do. Where was his show at? Uh, I, saw it, I saw it on a VHS recording. We went to... Uh, one of those parties you would go to with uh, with your mom and dad where you would get the warning in the car where your mother would turn around and said, now your father does business with these people. Don't act like an animal. <laughs> so when we got there, the adults were watching Richard Pryor and they went upstairs. And while they went upstairs for coffee, I snuck down to the basement, rewound the tape, and it was the live in concert. And it just blew my head off. I didn't know, Tim, that I wanted to be a comic, but I knew that this was important. It, it profoundly affected me. And it seemed important to me. And how do you try to become a comic? I mean, like, you don't go to school for it. No, I, I, I got out of college. Right. Yeah, I got out of college and I told my parents, well, we've done one of your things. Now I'm going to try one of mine. And I went to an open mic night at a local comedy club and I just kept haunting the place. I didn't know how to do it. You can learn craft and you can learn structure and stuff, but you're really you're, you're either funny or not because it, it's an intangible thing. But it's like acting instincts. You said you weren't good at anything else. And when you first acted... Um, people were responding to you doing that. And at 12 years old, I'm sure you were just being natural doing it. Or just imitating other people that I had seen and stuff. I was an early adopter, ripped people off. <laughs> that's what I did. I did Richard Pryor bits on the bus. I was a 12-year-old kid doing Richard Pryor bits on the bus. That, that's all we do until we get find our voice in that structure. And But you studied the craft. So going to like the first junior high class really blew my mind open. It's like, oh, this is really amazing. And I kind of got to sort of the end of that seventh grade curriculum, realized I wanted something more. And I was very lucky that my parents were supportive. So they encouraged me to go to Seattle Children's Theater, started studying lighting first. Mm-hmm. And then all through high school, I interned at theaters in Seattle. So just being around it. Well, around it. And then when did you start actually acting and, and, and playing roles in plays? So I started doing just high school. Just high school. Nine high school. But then I went to drama school for college. Mm-hmm. Graduated, did a showcase, and got a, got a manager and an agent out of that. And thought, oh, this, here it comes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I better open several bank accounts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm building a shelf for the Academy Awards and the Tonys yeah, and, and the Emmys. I need an account in the Caymans. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could see how you could see that because you won awards in high school. You you won acting awards, man. I didn't even know there was competitions and you were winning these. Things. You know what I was doing was it was under the category of forensics. Mm-hmm. I was what? doing dramatic. It's called dramatic interpretation. Right. So to dramatic interpret and, and humorous interpret. Mm-hmm. And you, you basically you get up and you, if you're one person, you do Bassine. It's really schizophrenic. You do both characters. Mm-hmm. And my freshman year, I did Death of a Salesman. The big, um, you, this, it was the scene that made those kids applaud at the end. And so doing that, I actually, I once 
Washington State champion that year. I was like, oh, okay, I guess I can do this. That's great. And then you went to USC and you got a theater degree. Yep. And we share something else. My acting coach, and I think who taught you at USC is us uh, is Stephen Book. Oh, Stephen Book was amazing. Yeah. He still work with it. Yeah. I studied with Stephen. I still do. And I told him I was talking to you. He said, Tell him Stephen Book says hello. I oh, said, that's if he remembers me. Yeah, he did. Yeah. That is when you know, Stephen's class was one of our favorites. And then he halfway through he went and did a sabbatical and we got mime instead. We're like, son of a bitch. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with mime. And I still use a lot of what he was teaching. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, but listen, if you, if you piss off a mime, what's he going to do? Yell at you? You're fine. Yeah. Did you have to wear the striped shirt? I didn't have to. Maybe I wanted to. Okay. All right. Fine. Hey, look at me. I'm in a fucking box. That's why Italians don't do mime. Look at me. I'm in a fucking box. Huh? <laughs> so then you win all these awards. You, you graduate from USC. You do the showcase. You get an agent. Right off the bat. Yeah, I was one of the lucky ones who... Yep. And then, unfortunately, nothing happens for you. Then nothing. Then it's like a year of crickets, Mm -hmm. going out on auditions, having no idea what the hell I'm doing. And then I still don't, to this day, don't know how, but I got a job on Seinfeld. Yeah. And we're going into the audition. There's like three lines. And I'm in the room and Larry David's there and the director and I'm thinking, well, it's three lines. They're going to tell me what the hell is going on. They're going to explain the scene. And somebody says, looks to Larry, or I think, I think it was Larry. They say, Hey, you want to explain the scene? He's like, no, just let's see what he does. <laughs> like, okay, great. So, and what, apparently whatever I did was funnier than the redheaded guy who was going in after me. Right. So I thought, okay, well I get the job. I'm like, great. Well, they'll explain it on set. So I, I get on set. I walk on set my first time on a TV set and I go to the craft service counter and I'm going to get a cup of coffee and they're out of coffee. And so it was a natural reflex for me. Big industrial coffee machine. I was a waiter at the time. So I dumped the grounds, mm-hmm. start looking to make a pot of coffee. Craft service guy runs over. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, you're out of coffee. I was making coffee. He's like, no, no, that's my job. It's like, oh, this is nice. Oh, yeah. Somebody's making coffee for me. And the one person you don't, you don't want to piss off on the set is craft service or the teamsters that drive you to and from. Yeah. So again, I get on set and like, surely someone's going to come and explain what the hell's going on. Little did I realize they did not have time to talk to the guy with two lines. <laughs> I mean, if the scene was called the Cheever Letters episode. So one where they burned down the cabin and it's revealed that my dad was having a, a gay affair with John Cheever. Mm-hmm. So um, I look at the guy playing my dad and his character was a bit of an asshole. I'm like, okay, my dad's an asshole. Maybe I'm an asshole. So I just did the lines based on that. Anyway, I didn't get fired my first day. And, and then I got a, another job after that somehow. Oh, actually, no. The day after my episode premiered, my agent fired me. Really? Really. Uh. So I was like, well, that's not going well. Yeah. And that same day, I was working back at Johnny Rockets on my row serving hamburgers and fries. Oh, you were not understanding why, why people didn't realize I'm a famous actor. <laughs> yeah. Did you happen to see the Cheevers episode? It was me. Yeah. I had the three lines. I was little Ricky. Yeah. I was Jason's fiance's little brother. But then you got psyched and everything. I mean, after Psych, did you go on to uh, Galavan after that? Galavan was after Psych, yes. Yeah. And the big thing that happened to you in 2017 is you had a stroke in the bathroom at a Tampa airport. Yeah. Because if you're going to be classy and sexy, you want to fall down in a men's room in an airport in Tampa. <laughs> but but it turns out that was probably the best place you could have been. No, it absolutely was. They say if you're going to have a major medical something go down, you want to be in an airport or a casino. Mm-hmm. There's so many eyes on you. Yeah, but you were in the men's room. Somebody took you out and paramedics just happened to be in the airport? Yeah, I mean, it's a little vague, but... The memory I have, and I'm going to stick to it because it's a better story, is so I was sitting down and I kept trying to, I was knew I was in the wrong terminal. I was trying to get on a flight to fly back to LA. I kept falling down because my, my left side was paralyzed. So I heard someone say, excuse me, ma'am, that elderly gentleman there is having trouble. And I'm thinking, hey, dude, that's uncalled for. <laughs> I know it's been a while since I dyed my beard, but elderly? 
So then eventually a woman came over that I thought was a TSA, mm-hmm. but it, the rest of the story is maybe she was an RN on duty. So she went and got some paramedics happened to be there from the airport fire station. They came over and they do the standard, you know, what's your name? What year is it? Mm-hmm. So at one point I asked these guys to call my wife and I gave, I gave them my wife's phone number. I said, okay, great. We got your, your wife. I'm like, okay, don't scare her. So I can, I can tell you I've had a mild stroke. They're like, no, sir, you've had a massive stroke. And then Allison's side of the story is they start screaming, you know, your husband's had a stroke, get on a plane, get on a plane, get on a plane. So she rushes down to, to Florida. And by then I was in an ICU in Tampa where I spent a few, let's say seven years. <laughs> no, I mean, it wasn't. <laughs> it was a bit of a um, time warp thing where um, I spent several weeks in an ICU in Florida mm-hmm. where I eventually got well enough that they medevaced me out to a rehab center in California. Mm-hmm. So my particular thing was, a, it was a left side stroke, left hemisphere, which affects, no, wrong. See, I had a stroke, so I got that wrong. It was a right-sided, it was a right-sided stroke, which affects the left side of your body. Right. So my left leg was paralyzed, my right arm and hand are pretty much paralyzed. The lucky thing is, though, it didn't affect my speech or my memory. If it had been a left side, it could have affected my speech. Wow. There's a thing on a, on a right-sided brain injury where they call it, it's left-side neglect, where you actually forget you have a left side of your body. When you went through this thing, the amazing thing in reading about what, what you went through is the way they fixed you. They took part of your... Well, I'm telling you, you were there. They had to take half my skull off. After a stroke or after a brain injury, your brain starts to swell. Mm-hmm. And the two hemispheres start to squeeze together and you're, it was trying to kill you. So they have to relieve the pressure. So they did a craniectomy. Mm-hmm. So they, they take these par- parts of my skull. Mm-hmm. And for safekeeping, they tuck them into your abdomen. So I had what was called my tummy Tupperware. <laughs> but like they stack it like cake plates. Yeah. And as they're moving around, you can sort of feel it kind of moving in your stomach like, ah, oh, that's uncomfortable. But they put a, they attach a blood vessel to it so it stays viable because when they put it back in it, your body doesn't reject it. It wasn't just for, I right, hang on to this for 20 minutes. This was two years. Yeah, it was essentially in my stomach for about two years. How, Tim, I, 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 there's no nice way of saying this. Were you afraid you were going to shit your skull out? <laughs> no, but a friend of mine did say, it's close you've ever had to having your head up your ass. <laughs> That's just amazing to me. I was mostly afraid that my skull was going to pop out of my stomach at some point because I would go to physical therapy and try and move around. And mm-hmm. like, this really hurts. I physical therapist would go, okay, look, I know it feels like it's going to burst out of your stomach, but it's not. Yeah. And, and what do you say? What if you're wrong? Okay. Yeah. What are you going to say? So I've seen aliens. Yeah. <laughs> and how long was the rehab? Well, I'm still in it. So it's, I'm actually coming up on three years since the stroke, April 29th. Here's the other thing I wanted to ask you: Is, is do they know what caused it? Uh, with me, actually, it's um, I had a it's called a dissected carotid artery. Mm-hmm. Ironic things: I was 49 years old. I was in the best shape of my life. Worked out every day and hiked and ran. And I was trying to get in shape for for a TV. Show. I, I had some jobs coming up where I had to take my shirt off. So I it's like, all right, I got to get in shape. Mm-hmm. So I was weightlifting and I did a super heavy deadlift one day, which I think that's what it caused it because. Halfway through the deadlift, I started seeing stars, and they think they can trace it to that moment. Wow. But they don't know. They don't quite know, but for all intents purposes, I think that's what it is. I can't even imagine what that would be like, but I wanted to ask about your mental state when it happened. Did you, where'd you go in your head when you were just sitting there? I was actually pretty good. I was sort of like, well, fuck, this happened. That sucks. Yeah. I was in the ICU a lot. I mean, I was like him for a very long time, and it really just, I don't know if it's really even sunken in still to this day. Mm-hmm. Well, part of my, my attitude was, like I said, well, this sucks. I'm going to get through it. Right. Because my parents were depression era. I was raised, grew up in a way like, you don't sit and bitch and moan in a corner. And I just knew pity party wasn't going to get me better mm-hmm. at all. So I just figured I'm going to start keep fighting and try and double down on physical therapy as much as I can. I, so when they took me back to California, I was in this physical therapy hospital for a long time, mm-hmm. where I eventually moved to another one. Started doing physical therapy every day, speech therapy, cognitive therapy. 
occupational therapy for my arm. I just, I mean, I really, I had to, I was in a wheelchair for a long time. I just had to relearn how to walk. Did you ever like blame yourself or did you, you know, the, you said not pity, but like, why me? But did you ever blame yourself? Like how could, what did I do to, there's that whole thing in your head about karma. Like how come me, you know, I, what, what did I do to deserve this? Did that ever enter your mind? Yeah, it really did. My, my wife would took it kind of much harder for me because it didn't just affect me. It, Knocked out my whole family. It's like my whole family got hit by a garbage truck. Sure, yeah. Talk about time I was at the height of my career. I'd just done a pilot with Carol Burnett. Mm -hmm. It's me and this young upcomer named Carol. <laughs> I heard it. Yeah. Plays a washwoman. Does it great. Pulls on the ear a lot. Yeah. People yeah. like it. So that we were in escrow on a house, on the dream house we've been saving 10 years to buy. When I was in the ICU, my wife was having to decide whether or not to go through with this house. Again, the house we'd looked for 10 years. I was in these crazy sleep dreams and wake up just obsessed about the house and say, buy the house. I want the house. I picture myself rehabbing in that pool. Huh. And then my financial advisor was in Florida. So he drove out and he's like, don't buy the house. Right, yeah. <laughs> don't buy the house. And then her best friend is kind of our, our real estate guru. And if it weren't for her, I'd be living in a van. And she kind of talks into buying our first house. And, and she knew the value of this house. She was going, buy the house. And so my poor Allison, on one hand, it's it's my, my financial guy going, don't buy the house. It's Jensen saying, buy the house. It's me saying, hey, I'm alive. Buy the house. I want the house. And thank God she, we didn't buy the house. Yeah. Yeah. That was, those kind of decisions, I nowhere near the experience you had, but, I, but it just in, in a couple of times I thought, all right, this is it for me. You know, I, I was on a car show and I was driving. It was high speeds, bad decisions. Um, so it was a couple of times I thought, all right, this is it. And the first thing that goes through my mind was my wife, you know, and, and it's, this isn't me, this is us. Uh, and the fact yeah. that, that she was, uh, and that's the only reason I, I would blame myself. Like, how could I be so irresponsible to whatever energy I'm putting out there to have this shit come back at me? In fact, so um, because it hit them so hard mm -hmm. and I was kind of like, eh, you know, I'm fine. And Allison would say, you know, why you? And I'd be like, why me? Why not me? Yeah. There was a guy, I, my roommate in one of these rehab rooms was an actual honest to God humanitarian. Sort of charity that brought clean water to Haiti. Wow. Okay. I'm like, this guy's fine. I mean, He's had a stroke. He's in the same shape I am. He's not sitting and crying. Like, if it's going to happen to the humanitarian, why wouldn't it happen to me? I mean, I'm just so impressed that not only that was your headspace, but you fought to get back to work. And I'll be honest with you, Tim. I, I, get, I get cranky if I miss lunch, uh, you know. <laughs> but you went back to work. You're working right now. And one of the things I read was Psyched is coming out with a movie. Psyched's coming out with a movie, which is really about my recovery. Yeah, they changed everything to make the, the circumstances fit so the family could be together. And one of the things that impressed me, because I've been so lucky, Tim, that I've been on shows that were families. I can only imagine, you know, Psych was the same way. I mean, Rescue Me, Nurse Jackie, Top Gear, we were all on these shows that were, they were, you had that feeling of community. And the fact that they changed the circumstances of the movie to fit you in was something that I just went, ah, that's, that's why I do what I do to be in those. You know, I've been so incredibly lucky with, to have landed on that show with this group of people. Mm. The second movie is actually coming out. The first movie they rewrote, so I, and they just gave me a, a cameo where I'm, I'm on a FaceTime call. Mm -hmm. We shot it in my guest bedroom, and I see it now, and it's like my speech is really not great, and I look like like an FDR robot from the uh, Hall of Presidents. <laughs> We have a new deal. So that was horrifying when I saw it. And then the second movie came along and they wrote it in, a way, in such a way where my character gets shot and has, a, I think, I don't think I'm giving anything away. Mm -hmm. He gets shot and has a stroke on the operating table. So it's, it's the episode's now called Lassie Come Home. My character's called Lassiter, mm -hmm. nickname Lassie. So it's Lassie Come Home and it's all about Lassiter's recovery. That's great. And the fact that they, they the creators and they did that, uh, 
it just it makes me feel good as an actor because we're lucky to do this job. You said in an interview, you're like, I can get through the stroke. The hardest thing was becoming a successful actor. No, that, that literally was what I thought when I was laying in the ice. I'm like, wait, I became a successful actor. If I did that, I can beat this. Yeah. And, and, and I was sitting there. I was I laughed a little bit. And I was re- I was actually reading in bed. My wife went, what? I go, ah, this motherfucker knows. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Yeah. And the thing that really I loved in, in, in some of the things I was reading about you was, uh, I think Larry King asked you, what never fails to make you laugh? And you right. said your oldest daughter. Yeah, my kids' laughters. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about, where you can get the people you love to laugh. And it's it's hearing the laughter, but it's also seeing their face and making that pain or whatever they're in go away. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's just, just great for me. And I think the fact that we are allowed to do that for other people, there's a certain amount of, of healing that comes through us as it's passing through us to touch other people. I didn't know if you had a similar experience to that. I'm intensely blessed. Yeah. We have this kind of group email chain going with the psych cast right now that I've been meaning to tell him the story. I had dinner with one of the writers from This Is Us, who, uh, who I didn't know very well, but he was in from Florida, so we had dinner. Mm-hmm. Name's James Laporta. Hey, James, if you're listening. <laughs> so he's the military advisor on This Is Us. He's a Marine Afghan vet. And we were talking about psych, and because I didn't know if he knew what I'd done. And I was like, oh, that's on the show for, called Psych for Years. He's like, yeah, I know. So we, we had every episode on a crappy old iPod. And when they would come in from tour, they would sit around, they would hook all their speakers up to it, and they would watch psych episodes after having just been shot at. Yeah. Like that show was one of the things that really helped him and his buddies get through the war. If that doesn't stop in your tracks, what's going to Yeah. It's that kind of thing that just amazed. I cannot fathom such a thing because, you know, we're just going to work and to have that work affect other people. I still can't grasp that. But your story, I think it hit me at the right time, given the circumstances we're in now. I mean, it's forced change. Yeah. But it's like quarantine is not a big deal for me because being disabled, I'm not out a lot anyway. <laughs> Yeah, but the, the, I mean, this is in no way is this comparison to what you've gone through. But it's it's how are you going to respond? How are you going to be in the face of this shit? Right. You know the um, there's a line that always keeps me going from Shawshank of the "Get busy living or get busy dying." Yeah, yeah. And it really like I had to make a choice early on of how am I going to get through this? Which part of it is sucking up Buttercup? There's people who have it much worse than you, and and then that line, and I, I set my kids down when this happened, but they were both really affected, and we're like, okay, so this happened, and now we need to kind of figure out what it means. And I said, I think the lesson we can all take away from this is really bad things happen in life, but you don't let it define you. You pick yourself up. You got to keep going. That was sort of the best I could give them. Wow. So let me see them. I tried not to let them see me sitting in the corner, just drinking straight out of the Jack Daniels bottle. (laughs) Go away. Don't look at me. Go back to your room. (laughs) Do what I say, not what I do. Get daddy some ice. It's for medicinal purposes. It's an antiseptic. It's an antiseptic. My stomach hurts. I think it's my skull. (laughs) Well, the best advice you got from what I read, uh, somebody asked you, what was the best advice you ever got? And you said it was to be patient. Yeah, my dad said that. Your dad said that. When I told my dad I wanted to be an actor. Mm-hmm. And then once I moved down to Hollywood, you know, cause it, it took a year to sort of get any kind of attention. Mm-hmm. I used to talk to him on the phone quite a bit when um, I was starting out. One day he just said, you know, you got to be patient. And he was absolutely right. Did that come into your mind while you were going through all the rehab and everything you went through? Yeah. I, I keep trying to remember it. You know, it's not like I get sad or angry. I just get more bummed out. Like, oh, I'd really like to go like fly fishing was my great passion, mm-hmm. which is difficult to do with one hand and hiking through the woods, you know, walking over stumps and rocks. In the water is difficult. So I just get bummed out. I'm like, I'd like to do that again. Mm. Or I can't, that sucks. I can't do that. So I constantly have to remind myself to be patient. The other thing is like this clinic that I'm in, I see walking miracles around me every day. I remember seeing, you know, guys who were just in so much worse shape than me. You know, guys who just ate 
talk like this. They just cannot form words. They're like, oh, I'm not that guy. And then I, and slowly I would see these people progress and become better and better. And it's really this camaraderie of patients of like, hey, did you see so-and-so walk down the hall the other day? He was kicking ass. You see how fast he was going? <laughs> so being in that environment was really helpful. Where I think if I was isolated, that would have been would have been much more difficult to progress and much more easy to sit in the corner and drink. Yeah. Have you come out of this thing? I don't want to use the word positive, but what, what's been revealed to you on this side of it that you didn't expect? I think the love that was waiting for me. Yeah. From either people I've worked with or my family, friends, even I hate the word, but fans and supporters. Yeah. Like I've been so buoyed by Twitter and for as toxic as Twitter's can be, people reaching out to me and pushing me forward and being encouraging is they'll have no idea how much it's meant to me. Yeah. Can you take it in? Sometimes. I kind of have to remind myself though. Yeah. What do you tell yourself to remind yourself to take it in? It's going to get better. Hmm. I just to believe that it's going to get, it's, going to, it's just going to take time and, and again, patience. I got to put in the work every day. Yeah. Even during quarantine, my clinic's closed, but we're doing virtual therapy every day. And I'm not sure the lay in bed and just sit, sit around and drink coffee. But if I'm going to ever take that trip back to Venice with my wife mm-hmm. and walk around Venice, I got to put these, this time in here doing these stupid leg lifts and get on the goddamn treadmill. Yeah. Yeah. I think that actually helps me. I can't do it for me, but I can fight for the wife. I got to fight for something. Yeah. I'm trying to fight for whatever future I have left. Yeah. With, or we, have, we have left together. If people want to reach out to you, where can they go? They can do it on the Twitter. On the it's Twitter? at Amundsen. Mm-hmm. And also Instagram at, same thing. It's very clever, at Amundsen on Instagram and Twitter. Very cool. Well, but, I tend to see the Twitter more often than I see Instagram. Mm-hmm. Well, I am so glad that you made time for me, my friend. And uh, I think in my intro, I was right. You, uh, you're one tough son of a bitch. Yeah, I can't wait for, to actually get to sit down and have a drink with you and fist bump you or shake your hand w- using a dental dam, of course. <laughs> Yes. When we're allowed to resume normal human contact, I would like to sit down, sit in the corner with you and drink that Jack Daniels, my friend. I would enjoy that. Yeah, you're a bit inspirational. I appreciate you taking time. I appreciate you sharing everything you've been through, well, my brother. Thank you for wanting to talk to me. You got it. Please be well. Best to you and the family. And if you got it, wash it. <laughs> All right. I'll see you soon, buddy. Be well, brother. Thanks, man. The ADD interview is brought to you by CruiseIntoWellness.com. CruiseIntoWellness.com for all your CBD needs. They have edibles, tinctures, pain creams, bath products, pet products, and as you know, I take the gummies to help me with my anxiety. Let's face it, I got a lot of problems. They take parts of my skull, and for safekeeping, they tuck them into your abdomen. Okay, maybe they're not as bad as I thought. I am going to count my blessings and spread some love. 20% off with the coupon code ADAM. 20% off anything they have at cruiseintowellness.com. Go. Feel better. I'm Tim Momentum. That's 30 minutes. I'll never get back. I really like talking to that guy. He's a he's a Oof. nice guy and a tough son of a bitch. He was so inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. Very inspiring. And I love that he quoted Shawshank. Get busy living or get busy dying. That was I love that. Another great example of movies giving us good wisdom. Um, and by the way, speaking <laughs> about good wisdom, Adam, mm. you the question you asked, why me? What did I do to deserve this? I, it was just the perfect question, you know? Yeah, that's the first thing I went. because, And the reason I did is because I don't want to make that mistake. And have this <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I was looking out for my own ass. Because I know, first I'm like, why me? I don't want to do that. Because then I know what the, my next part of my pattern is. Why me? Then I'm going to blame myself. Well, and then I would have went to karma. Well, like he said, it could have happened to anyone. Yeah. You yeah. know, it just happened to him, and it's how you deal with it that that's, matters. That's the best, That's the same message I needed to hear. You yeah. know, shit happens. What are you going to do about it? I was actually like, oh, Adam, why'd you ask it? But mm-hmm. then I was like, oh, you know what? 
I'm glad you asked that. You did? Yeah. Good. But that is a tough question. I mean, having interviewed a bunch of people, there's always a tough question. I generally shy away from it. And you know, my question there would have been like, Tim, if you could be a tree, any kind of tree, what tree would you be? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and you're right, just, you know, that- because it gets to the heart of it. Because yeah. if you were in his shoes, don't you think that's the first thing oh. that would come to your head? And I realized how I put myself in the position during the entire conversation. And when he said, you know, we wanted to buy this dream house, in my head I'm going, don't buy the house. Don't buy the house. <laughs> don't buy the house. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and my business manager said, don't buy the house. And we didn't buy the house. And I went like this. Yes! Oh! This <laughs> poor like guy's had a bet been, on it. <laughs> this, guy, this poor guy's been through so much. Thank God he didn't buy the house. <laughs> <laughs> You're so funny, Adam. Yeah. I didn't know him. I knew his character. I knew that show. I actually read the Dulé Hill part, and I thought the script was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And then so I watched the show. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those shows where you watch, you're like, all right, I would have cast him too. You know, <laughs> and it's a good show and I'm enjoying it. So I really, I really liked him. So I knew his character. So I had, I had an emotional connection to him before we started this interview. Mm-hmm. And now I have, have an even a bigger one and a bigger affinity for him as a, as a guy. Yeah. I, when I was listening to it, man, I got so much out of it, first of all, but Adam, as I was listening, he talked about, and, and well, let me just say this. If you take anything from that interview, Adam, just take patience. He talked about patience, please, for the mm-hmm. love of God. Will you take patience out of that interview <laughs> and apply it to your life? Slow down. Just, ch- I mean, you're, you're like a worker ant. You're always like doing, doing, doing. How many times do I call you up and go, dude, just slow down. Take it. When's the last time you smelled a flower? I want to thank Tim Amelson for being a guest on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Please remember life is hard. Saying? Take it you easy on yourself. <laughs> Adam's- now you're impatient and deflecting. Adam's- I'm not deflecting. When was the last time you smelled a flower? Listen, when was the last time you went out <laughs> flower sniffing? Are you kidding me? <laughs> you're lecturing me on finding the joy of life, Mr. I've yeah. lived in a robe the past 10 years? <laughs> hey, I like what? my robe. Oh, uh, when was the last time you smelled a flower or heard the laughter of children? Oh, the yeah. noise, noise, noise. Oh, I have to move. It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. Slow it down. Is. Smell the roses. Adam's happiest, I think, when he's busy. Yeah. yeah, he is. He is. Yeah, he knows no. He has no other speed. Move, 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 move. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't <laughs> disagree with you guys. I can't. It's, it's, and I think it was, it was one of, I think I was talking to, to, uh, to Joe List about sleep. You know, because he he has he has a, a sleep issue. I have sleep issue. Phil, you have sleep issues. You just can't fall asleep. Yeah. Uh, but but I can fall asleep. I wake up and then it's like uh, I I think the issue when I came up was if you relax everything that keeps the monsters away, the monsters are going to come out. <laughs> you know, right? Yeah. Well, you're that's, monsters, Adam. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it well, pisses just, me off when you fall asleep too, man. It pisses me off. I stayed at your place in New York. That little loft. I look over. You, he, the guy, Mark. The guy lays down on the sofa. Three seconds. He's out. I'm. I go look at him sleeping. Look at him already. Three seconds. Yeah. How, How dare you? you? Yeah. How dare you lay down yeah. at the end of a long day of working and rest? <laughs> <laughs> no, but so it's you... how quick he falls off. Takes me so... five hours to fall asleep. That's so funny. you suffer from sleep envy. Is that, is that correct? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm jealous it. of Adam's sleep habits. Yeah. Little yeah, jelly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Adam, yeah, I think. I mean, you do. You're one of the hardest working people I know. You're constantly on on the move with everything. And I guess I guess part of that is right. It's because it's to keep the demons at bay. It's almost like being like, I'll deal with you guys later. I got this in front of me right now that I promise you will sit down. You can terrorize me later on. But mm-hmm. right now I got to get this done. Is that- I'm, sh- I'm sure there's something that has to do with it. The rest is just the work ethic. The rest is if, if you don't do it, it ain't going to get done. 
Yeah, it's know? it's that he has a, a list and everything needs to be checked off, and then he can mm-hmm. relax and you know. Well, it's not even relaxing. It's 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 work. It's what because there's so uns- our jobs. You know, it's not like I'm I I don't have a union gig where I know I'm going to put in forty hours a week, but by putting fifty, I'm going to get time and a half, and I'll be able to get out of my pension, and I'm guaranteed X amount of it. I got I got nothing. I got nothing. You know, it's, it's keep dancing, baby. But Phil brings up a great point, and you could hear it in Tim's voice when he was talking about the fact that he can't go fi- fly fishing right now. You mm-hmm. know, something that he truly loved, and it's like you al- like he almost wants to go back in time to like the last time he was fly fishing just to absorb that moment. You know, and 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 I think you do this because we talk about the magic hour all the time when you're out in your <laughs> walk, hour. and it's just it's just enjoying that moment and soaking it in for what it is. You know, before it's gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's going to be gone. I mean, that's uh, the one thing is when, when 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 he said that, when Tim said that, I was like, wow, man, he, he, he's a little upset about it. I would be so pissed off. Oh, God, what do you mean? Furious. If I couldn't go yeah. fly fishing anymore, I'd be like this. What am I asking for? I'm asking to fly fish. Am I asking too much out of this world to stand in a friggin' stream to cast and get fish? Yeah, you're right. I'm an asshole for thinking I should have that. I have a question, Adam. Yeah. When's the last time you went fly fishing? No, it's yeah, that's, that's what, what I was thinking, man. I just had that visual, really? Yeah, that's what I mean. I'm like nothing. I wouldn't look if I never went fly fishing again, I'd be fine. Yeah. Right, right. right. When's the last time you smelled a fly, Adam? Yeah, what was the last time you smelled the fly? <laughs> you need to calm down. <laughs> look, if I couldn't if I couldn't drive my car, that would piss me off. Yeah. I couldn't do something I liked if I couldn't go, you know. Yeah, Maybe. that that represents a lot. My car, yeah. Yeah. Cars represent. Yeah. So yeah. I, I get to there. Yeah. Now, what if somebody told you you couldn't mess with me anymore? What would you do then? Okay, and by someone, he means him. He tells me all the time. <laughs> <Doesn't work. laughs> yeah. You yeah, can't yeah, yeah. do this to me anymore. Okay, Phil, oh, I won't. Then he's like, hey, man, are you mad at me or something? <laughs> Watch this clip I sent. Yeah. <laughs> you mad at me? Do you, do you need me to send a representation of a, of a movie that, that can express the love that I have for you? <laughs> <laughs> and you know to him to, to have that mindset like that kind of sucks i can't do that anymore but i'll keep moving on that was impressive yeah and the man's skull is in his stomach yes. yeah that, Look, that would wow. upset me the most that was that scared the hell out of me i actually said are you afraid you were ever going to shit your brains out i mean how do you not that say was, that that was <laughs> yeah, yeah how do you not say that and what did he say to you <laughs> he, he had a great line he's like my friend said that's the closest you've had to having your head up your ass yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah attitude, right. you know how yep. would you not do are you kidding me well like anything else you just get the shit off of it and put it back in yeah <laughs> have the doctor open me up doc do me a favor make sure you wash it before you put it back <laughs> oh my god i just uh no, that's yeah. just, it wasn't there for it wasn't there for an hour or no. a week. It was there for like a couple of years, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's once like, they put it back, I mean, it's got to have some effect with you. I keep thinking about food. I cannot not think about food. <laughs> All right, let me ask you this: He had this happened to him, right? And he said it was so lucky that it happened to him in a bathroom at a Tampa airport. He was in the place that if you're going to have a stroke. What do you mean? Yeah, the only better place would be a hospital. Yeah, the only better place would be on a, in, in the surgery room going, all right, I'm going to have a stroke <laughs> right now. <laughs> right, let's do it. Yeah, yeah, right, under the lights. The Tampa airport, they say it was a, it's a federal building, so they sent, the, they sent the ambulance right in there, and the Tampa hospital he went to is, is one of the top places you want to go if you ever had a stroke. Hmm, interesting. Man. Yeah. So, Again, yeah. the positivity with which he looked at all this, you know, he's still looking at things he wants to do. He wants to go on these, you know, go to, 
back to Italy with his wife. Yeah. It just, it was, I mean, man, I, I like to think I'm a pretty positive guy, but I'd be pretty sullen if I, if I was walking in his shoes. I'd be like, man, this is bullshit. Oh, All right? yeah. The outlook and the attitude this guy had when the world opens up again, I want to take him out and I want to buy him a drink. Just one because I don't need him getting drunk, falling down, you know, <laughs> cracking his head open in his stomach. I don't need that kind of responsibility. <laughs> but yeah, that's someone you just, I mean, like he said, he was in the point of his life where it's like everything is perfect. Like mm-hmm. I've, I've got this great life. I've got this great career. I'm looking at my dream house. I've got this great wife and kids. And, and, to have it all just interrupted like that, man. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Life it's happens. Just, yeah. Life happens when you're making other plans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but to take that, but to take that adversity and then say, to hell with it, I'm still going to do what I want to do and move forward. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, it reminds me of like um, Rick Allen from Def Leppard when he lost his arm and he kept playing the drums, or Bethany yeah. Hamilton, the, the one arm surfer who was like, she got her, I mean, her arm was bitten off by a shark. Mm hmm. If that was me, I wouldn't I wouldn't went, I wouldn't take a bath for let alone go back into the ocean again. And she kept surfing, you know, um, it's just very inspiring. No, yeah. it is. Yeah, it is. It's, it's courageous. The most it, it is. It's, it's, it's a lot of courage. It's a lot of heart. And it's it's a lot of wisdom to be able to look through all of that and sift through the e- easy choices of anger and, and mm-hmm. self-pity and all of those things and and to, to find your center. And wow. I mean, yeah. that guys, just, I, I got it together. so I was so. Uh, Fortunate. I was so grateful that I got a chance to talk to him, and he really is starting to piss me off now because I don't, <laughs> I don't have, I don't have any of these traits, and, and and this guy pointed it out on my own friggin' show. So that's really, he's pretty awesome. Nerve. Yeah, Tim, if you're listening, how dare you? Yeah. <laughs> we want to be like Tim. <laughs> I do. Uh, honey, if they want to get a hold of us, where do they go? The Adam Ferrara at Gmail. And if you get a chance to leave us a review, it helps us out with our friend. Mr. Algorithm. Yes. And uh, the show is growing. Did you guys know that? I did. <laughs> it was very it's nice. karma. Yeah, it's, it's karma. Ca- well, I hope so, because our intention is to uh, is to share our family with yours. And we want to thank you guys uh, for, uh, for, for being here with us every week. Um, and please remember, life is hard. Take it easy on yourself. The pod has ended. Go on, Pete. Now that I'm married, I know I don't wonder what I did in a past life. It's like instant karma. I see the way my behavior <laughs> comes right back at me. And you haven't learned a friggin' thing. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.